0: You are listening to The Bridge Metro West, located at 7 Strathmore Road in Natick, Massachusetts. For more information about The Bridge Metro West, our weekly Sunday gatherings, and other events, go to www.bridgemetrowest.com. We are coming into the space of unlimited possibilities, which means we're all going to work for the water department and the kingdom that's right I think I want to have you turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 and I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation in just a moment I was trying to scratch my head and I, I touched the microphone Now it's out of place and it's probably going to make weird noises, but we'll be okay. 1 Peter chapter 4. Last week we talked about getting in shape. If you missed it, it's still online. You can still catch it. This week I want to talk about basic training. Philippians 1.27 in the New American Standard says this before I get into the Passion Translation. says this, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. In the, I think the NIV One second. crazy for Jesus. I'm muted so the online people didn't hear the first half of that. See, that's why you gotta be here. If you're local, you should be here. If you're local, you should be here. We had a conference last August, and Nancy Dozier said, what did she say? What was the declaration she made? Herod is dead. Yes. 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 You don't have to know what that means to know what that means. But if you don't know what that means, just, just we'll get through the message, and then you'll, you'll get discernment. But in the NIV, one of the first messages I ever preached, I think it was maybe the second effort, the second message I ever preached, first one was humility, timidity, and boldness. The second one, I believe, was make every effort. Eight times in the Pauline epistles, there's a phrase translated, make every effort. In the New American Standard, it often says, with all diligence. And in kind of this day and age where there's, there's a lot of teaching on rest, which I believe in rest. I believe we were uh, created first man, first woman. They were created. They were comforted into the garden. It was the eve of the sixth day, and their first day of work was actually Sabbath. And so we live from a, a, a place of rest, but sometimes what we forget is on the other side of Sabbath, there's labor. There's six other days in the week. And so, we're not always living in this space where we rest. As a matter of fact, Paul talks about striving for the gospel. He talks about beating his body into submission. He talks about despairing even unto, uh, to death. That there are spaces and times where the labor that's set before us is great. And as a matter of fact, there is responsibility. Everywhere grace and favor are given in, in Scripture, responsibility is assumed. Salvation is free, but overcoming is an option. That should be my bumper sticker, if I was a bumper sticker kind of guy, but I'm not. And so, there's this idea even in uh, Philippians 1.27 where Paul is writing to the church and he says, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together. One spirit, one mind striving together. Unity... Is above all things. And what is unity? Uh, What is it? Psalm 133:1. How blessed, uh, how good and blessed it is when brethren dwell in unity. That word for unity is the word yahad. The the derivative of that is yahid, which is Genesis uh, 22. And the theological word of the Old Testament, word book of the Old Testament, which is one of my favorite resources for biblical Hebrew, defines the word as such, meaning the only. As without kin Something that is separate Separate from all things Something that is unique As in the only begotten son of the father Literally that, that's the translation It comes right out of that resource And so unity begins to take on a different look See in America Or at least in western uh, culture Western Christianity We feel like unity is that we always have to agree On all things intellectual and academically That's never been the case it Certainly was never the case in Hebrew culture rabbis can argue like nobody's business and they can still love each other on the other side of it unity doesn't mean that you always agree it just means that you love each other on the other side of disagreement and that we continue with one mind with one spirit which really what does this really mean is that unity isn't intellectual assent it's where you stand it's what Elizabeth was talking about praying in Jesus name It's not just praying in Jesus' name. It's not a rubber stamp that we put at the end of a prayer. It's where we exist. It's where we live. In him, we move. We breathe. We have our being. It's in Jesus' name. And when we are in the sacred space of his name, unity is. Not because of what we're thinking, but because of where we're standing. And if you think that you're in the name of Jesus, if you think that you've wrapped yourself up in the heart of the Father and you look to your left and you look to your right and you don't see people, then you need to reassess where you are. Because he called, you know, we love to talk about the individual, which is great. I want you to individually have an encounter with God. But the encounter with God, with you as an individual, will always lead you to people. And it's not always people that you like, but it is people that you're called to love. I say this often. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It's not likely that all the men that he draws unto him are going to be people that you you like. There might be a Yankees fan in there. Then what are you going to do? Wow. See what I'm saying? Gosh, we let him in the house even. We need to train our greeters better. Got to filter out the riffraff. You're a Bills fan too, aren't you? Oh, Lord Jesus, help us all. Where's Mike? Is Mike here today? Mike, you got to deal with this guy. Yeah, Mike, Mike Laffey, Men's Ministries. Band of Brothers minus one. Okay. Suffering. I don't like to talk about suffering. I like to talk about blessing and prosperity. Can blessing and prosperity and suffering coexist? Well, biblically, they do. Because in Genesis 128, the first thing that God does is he blesses mankind, and yet we've got a whole sector of Christianity that refuses to believe that God wants to bless people. Because we develop theology based on negative past experiences instead of pursuing a theology that's just based in the nature of God himself. When our experience doesn't line up with scripture, we don't shape scripture to match our experience. We take our experience and realize that it is less than in its current state. And so now we gotta walk through the veil into unlimited possibility. So that we can be effective workers for the water department. (laughs) Suffering brings unity. Difficulty is a bonding agent. My wife and I both grew up in in military families. I didn't really grow up in a military family because my dad retired from the Marine Corps when I was four. But I mean, from the time I was an infant to the time I was four, we did move three times, lost all my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Deb experienced a little bit more of that. My siblings experienced a little bit more of that, but we've hung around military communities. And even at our wedding, you know, we had our wedding, it was on base. Not the, the wedding itself, but the reception was on base. So my godfather was a, a colonel. My dad was a major. Her dad was a 30-year sergeant major. He's, what, 80? How old is he now? 80, you know, he's in his 80s. I don't want to say it out loud because they might be watching, and if you get it wrong, your mom will call you. 84, they don't she said they don't remember either. Judy? She said it, not me. She said it. He would still be in the Marine Corps today if they would let him. 30 years, they're like, okay, you need to retire. I mean, he, he is a Marine through and through. And there's something that unifies people that have been in it that long. I, I can remember, you know, being around military, especially the old dogs, the, the military dogs, like, like guys like my dad and her dad. And I would hear questions like, where'd you go to basic? They start telling stories about BASIC. Or you get around guys who are, are, you know, SEALs or Rangers, and they start talking about their training and the things that they endured together in their training. Because in suffering, there's a unity that's built. That's why they do what they do. Because we have to, to be a, a strong fighting unit, it has to be a unit. And for a unit to be a unit, you have to have a group of people that are willing to operate as one. I was watching a a documentary not too long ago and it it was uh, they were talking about this they were SEAL, it was a SEAL team. And they said the difference between us and other fighting units is that if you attack us, we all unleash hell upon you simultaneously. We're so trained. And we are so unified that if something comes against us, everyone acts as one in a moment. And so six people could do what maybe another fighting unit of 40 people couldn't do. Because they're bonded together through their training. And it, believe me, I've, I've watched, anybody ever watched those documentaries on SEAL training? Yes. I mean... You know, they gotta like hold the log up for I don't know how many hours and they're in freezing cold water. They suffer. And basic training today, like for everybody that goes in, it's not quite the way it was like when my dad was when I was a kid. They're a little bit nicer. I didn't do any of that because I wanted to grow my hair out. (laughs) I wanted to be a rock and roller. So I studied music. But I did play soccer. And when I was a kid, <laughs> soccer camps were a little bit different. I also trained in martial arts. When we did our, one of our martial, actually a couple of our martial arts tests, they shut all the doors and the windows in the summer. They turned the heat up to 90 and they worked us out for two hours. And if you were still standing at the end of the workout, you passed. I don't think you could do that now. There's liability issues and things like that. Soccer camp, we were in southern Illinois, it was 110 degrees, and we're doing three a days. Guys are literally on the side, they're puking their guts out, things are are happening, like all the, you probably couldn't do that today, I'm just saying, I, I don't know how things roll, but in the suffering, it brought unity to the team. Our dorms didn't even have AC. I had one of those little, I bought one of those hurricane fans, like they made a metal and it blew like an 80-mile-per-hour wind through my room. It was hot in southern Illinois. There's a unity that comes in suffering. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't remember if Che or Benny said that when they were here. Benny Yang is the vice chancellor of Wagner University. I have gone to China with him a few times when I could still go. Um, and Che is the, the Chancellor. He's also the Apostolic Lead of Harvest International Ministry of which we are a part. There's about twenty five thousand churches, ministry networks um, you know, businesses, all kinds of people. We're really looking to infuse the five-fold into every fabric of society and culture in the nations. And we're in, I believe, 70 nations now. And one of them was talking about praying for the Chinese because the persecution there has kicked up so dramatically. That's why I can't go back. And it's not so much, uh, you know, COVID aside, it's not so much... The danger that it poses to me, the, the issue is that if I'm there, they get arrested. Now, things began to shift in the last you know, four years where if I'm there, I could possibly get arrested as well. But my main concern was them getting arrested. Their main concern was just me. And so I, they, were, they were talking about, hey, you know, we, we're gonna pray for you. Yeah, we'll be praying for you. And the pastor that he was talking to said, you don't need to pray for us. This is the best thing that's happened to us. This persecution is the best thing that has come to us because we, we got too dormant. We, we got too sedate. We were trying to sort of m- model what we thought Western Christianity looked like instead of doing what God wanted us to do in our own city. We started looking at models and structures instead of the spirit and his movement. And the nation is being spurred back into a fire-breathing revival because of the opposition that they face because in suffering, you will find unity. Difficulty is a bonding agent that's why when you talk to a lot of you know retired military guys if they want to talk about it if they're talking about it a lot of times they're talking about their training because it's the space that became the glue that bonded a fighting force together sometimes I ask people how they're doing and they say well I'm in the wilderness I just want to get out of the wilderness or you know I'm in the cave depends on, on what your primary gifting is if you're a prophet you're in the cave a lot of other people are in the wilderness first of all if you're a prophet and you're in the cave you probably put yourself there because at the end of the day that's where a lot where a lot of prophets want to be anyway just by themselves in a cave it took no let's reel it back in before it escapes and then so many of us are trying to get out of the wilderness when that's where God called us and what so Mabel was saying look a voice cries out in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord not in the oasis not in the, the good times not in Hawaii I mean Hawaii no Hawaii revival come I just I love Hawaii I love palm trees I, it's, I have an unhealthy affection for palm trees I think my palm tree died in my office didn't it is it still there It went to palm tree heaven. It was sad. (laughs) Never even held a funeral. I love palm trees so much, my wife got me a palm tree, put it on my desk. It could not survive the harsh conditions of my office, apparently. But the wilderness is where the wild things are. That's the place that he actually calls us to go to prepare the way of the Lord so that one day the wilderness will become a place of unlimited possibility because that's the road that he's going to land on Mabel was preaching I should have just closed with So 1 Peter 4:15 and I'm going to read out of the passion translation I've been reading a lot out of the Passion. I kind of go through streaks of reading out of the Passion, and I always bounce off of the New American Standard and the ESV and original language. But it says this. I think I might read a couple verses. I don't know. It says, Beloved friends, if life gets extremely difficult with many tests, how many people have been through a test this year? Anybody? Anybody? Uh-huh. If life gets extremely difficult with many tests don't be wi- don't be bewildered say that three times fast don't be bewildered <laughs> as though something strange were overwhelming you instead continue to rejoice for you in a measure have shared in the sufferings of the anointed one so that you can share in the revelation of his glory and celebrate with even greater gladness If you're going through difficulty don't be bewildered what this indicates to me is that bewilderment is a choice we can surrender to a circumstance or we can recognize that in the midst of our circumstance we are still in some dimension seated in heavenly places in christ jesus not just to have some kind of holy spirit party but for grand perspective on the things that we're facing day to day If you're facing difficulty, don't be bewildered. This is the word of the Lord. This is a command. Which means that we have a choice as to how to guard our heart in the midst of opposition, in the midst of pressing, in the midst of squeezing, in the midst of things not working out the way that we thought they should. Because we're wiser than the people that we're with. Yeah, come on, play that live stream. We can listen to it again. In case you didn't get it the first time. It's going to come back around in about 30 seconds. Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, in this world we will have trouble. But fear not, I have overcome the world. I think I I quote that every week because there's something in there that we've just got to get because you've got to recognize that Jesus is calling things that are not as though they are. He hadn't actually overcome yet positionally in in our manifest reality of the present he had not overcome the world yet except that he knew in heaven the world had already already been overcome through him and so he saw what was in the heart of the father and he named it and he claimed it and then he said kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and he could tell his disciples of what a reality was before it had fully manifest on the earth that is faith does that make sense So, the instruction is this. I think in the ESV, it says, take heart. In some other translations, it says, take courage. Don't wait for it, take it. Sometimes we're waiting. For our heart to come sometimes we're waiting for courage to come but the instruction of the Lord is don't wait for something that is already set on the table before you in the presence of the enemy take it take courage take heart in this world you will have trouble but you don't have to fear take courage he's already overcome the world he is the breaker that goes before us and so when we are in the sacred space of the name Jesus even though in our natural body we may experience suffering for a season we are in the one who already overcame suffering, so we will be victorious on the other side. Yeah. First Peter four one in the passion says this: since Christ, though innocent, suffered in his flesh for you, now you also must be a prepared soldier. Ooh, I like that. I mean, I like that anyway. I just like the visual. Having the same mindset. For whoever's died in his body is done with sin. How do you become a prepared soldier? Well, it starts, we've got to have the same mindset. We've got to be living from a place of victory in Jesus, even if we are in the face of opposition. All around the world and throughout history, where we have seen persecution, we have seen revival. We have one missionary in northern India. She's about this tall, little white lady. They're seeing 100,000 people authentically saved every year, and they're planting churches and training pastors, and those churches are raising up other people and going to other villages, and I'm telling you, and it's in the face of op- opposition. It's in the face of persecution. Her, her life, her... her her person is so known there that she is blacklisted from entering the nation. And so she's got to go to another nation and cross through a rural checkpoint where they don't have computers and she just has her little passport and she just walks into the country. Do you think that stops her? No, she's like, I'm going. This is what God told me to do. And until he tells me not to, there is no authority on earth that will keep me from walking in the will of God. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, take courage. This little white lady is one of the most courageous people that I know. Leslie Ann Layton is another one. Little lady contracts out on her life. But man, she's like, I'm going in. Lovers of God persevere through problems. That's what it looks like to be a prepared soldier. But to be a prepared soldier, you gotta go through some basic training. You might have to suffer together a little bit. You might have to endure some things a little bit. You might have to learn what it it looks like to wake up and be consistent in him, to walk uh, firmly and and circumspectly in him, even in the face of difficulty, even in the face of trial, even in the face of all the things that life will throw at you. It's time to go to basic training. So what does a courageous warrior look like in the kingdom? (laughs) This is why I was chuckling earlier. John chapter 7, 37 and 38 says this in the Passion Translation. Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood up and shouted out to the crowds, Yeah, sometimes people wonder why I shout so much. Well, Jesus did, and I want to be like Jesus. Aside from that, I'm just loud. He shouted out to the crowds, and he says, all you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. What does it look like to be a a prepared soldier? Well, it looks like you just joined the water department. I just like the way the Holy Spirit begins to tie things together because you are called to be dispensers of water. What does it look like to be a prepared soldier in the kingdom? You know, sometimes we think in this militaristic thing that sometimes we, we forget that our battles are not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And we start coming against man when we're supposed to come against darkness because the moment that we come against a man and we cease to love that one, we are no longer in a position to evangelize the one who is lost that needs a revelation of Jesus. That's what's wrong with some of the crazy teachings that are going on out there. Is that we we strip the capacity of the church to evangelize if we decide that a person is unsavable. I I don't even want to talk about what that whole deal is because it's really not significant. But but in practical ways we see that. We get so angry. We lower our standard to the voice of the spirit of this age instead of remembering that we are living from the lap of Christ in, in heaven. And that we can still speak the truth of lo- in love even in spaces and places that we disagree with. Even in midterm elections. Even in presidential elections. I'm hearing reports of of, of Brazil and all the craziness that 's going on in Brazil right now, on the other side of their elections. and I don 't even know what the church is doing or what the church is not doing, but what I do know is that the church is called to speak the truth in love. Instead of lowering our standard of communication, again, to the voice of the spirit of this age, because we think that evil is winning, so we get down on the evil's level and we start communicating like the evil communicates instead of standing as the holy, righteous ones and giving the world a target to shoot for, we take our target down and we start shooting the way that they shoot. Maybe... We could just try it Jesus' way. How did he handle things when he was accused? How did he handle things when others were accused? And then some people will say, well, he went to the church and the temple, you know, the church, and he turned the tables over because you're not Jesus. Don't be turning any tables over in this place. We lean so hard not you guys here but you know the people out there we lean so hard into being critical we start living from a spirit that is critical instead of standing upon a firm foundation that causes us to be overcomers and so like we talked about last week we have to shape our lives it's the responsibility that's on the other side of the encounter so I love that you know Elizabeth she she mistakenly said responsibility but it's so true there's responsibility I was reading another passage out of the passion that talked about our sacred sacred responsibility our sacred obligation Salvation is free, but we have obligations in the kingdom once we come into the family. Just like if you're part of a household, you got chores to do. And every household is different. You know, when I was a kid, I had to, you know, stack wood. I didn't do much of the chopping, but, you know, we had to stack wood. And one year, we, we, my dad chopped some tree down, and we had to stack all the wood because we were getting ready for winter. And we were sort of, we were still maybe a little bit newish to New England, and uh, we, there was this big old, like, really big, thick, dead vine on the, on the, 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 tree, and so we stacked all the wood, and stacked all the wood, and stacked all the wood, and then after the fact, we realized that that big old dead vine was poison ivy. Not only that, we burned it. Yeah, we didn't know. So, you know, if you burn poison ivy and you inhale the smoke, guess where that poison... Now, I just had, like, raw meat, like, here. But my parents, like, they had it in the bloodstream. I don't remember. I was little, but I think one or both of them had to go get shots and all the crazy stuff. Yeah, don't do that. Little side note. Yeah, just don't do that. That's, that was a free nugget for you. Don't burn poison ivy. It's not good. It's not fun but here's the thing because I was in the house and my, my mom would say this often you, well if you're going to live in my house then you've got to do the responsibilities of the house well I didn't like that as a kid but that's the way things are and it's the same way in the kingdom when you have been given Romans eight fifteen the spirit of adoption and you're drawn now into a royal household there are sacred obligations that must be upheld And I'm not even talking, I'm not talking about the practical things of this structure that we call the Bridge Metro West, although that is true, that we serve one another. We prefer one another. That's why we ask you to serve in the house. It's not because we're trying to make something happen. It's a basic principle of life And the kingdom, his divine power is given given you everything that you need for life and godliness according to your knowledge of him. There are basic principles of life, practical life that we live out every day, and godliness, this spiritual walk. And it's not that those two things are separate in him, they are the same. And so there are responsibilities, there are sacred obligations to live out and live from a place of power in Christ Jesus. Amen. Does that make sense? so we can get to the place when we have come through basic maybe we've endured a little bit of hardship we've had some crazy two to three years here and across the world like the whole world has come under this shaking that we've never seen in this generation it's not that it hasn't happened before guys we're not living in some new look but it's, we've not seen it in this generation. It's new for us. And we have this sense that, oh, this should never happen because you know, we're so much smarter than we used to be. Sometimes things happen. In this world, you will have trouble. But what? Take heart, take courage. And there's a space of entering into honest self-assessment without coming into self-condemnation. Because Romans 8.1 there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So condemnation is never a deal, but honest self-assessment is. And you can look back over the last two to three years and say, say to yourself or figure out with him, did I come under my circumstance or did I rise above it? We all come under our circumstances at different points in time. We all become overwhelmed with what we're facing or what we're enduring. But how we position ourselves in the midst of that will determine the outcome on the other side and what he entrusts us to carry for him. It's like the young man in Africa who said, I'm called to be a pastor. When someone says that to me, then I say, go pastor somebody. See, we we think that this this role is this vocational ministry thing that no, it look, you're all in full time ministry. What are you doing? What gifts are you implementing within the sphere of influence where God has placed you? Sometimes he puts you in the middle of a space that you don't want to be because he wants to see that even in that space of darkness and difficulty will you allow Christ and you the hope of glory to be released so that you could stand and shout like Jesus said come unto me all who are thirsty all who are heavy all who are weary and I will give you rest I got rivers of living water flowing out of my belly you can come come and drink not because of me but because of Christ in me and they won't even know sometimes what they're drinking of they're just going to want to be around you because of who is inside of you it will happen if you position yourself in him and sometimes even if you don't because a lot of times when you don't position yourself rightly it's just because you're cranky You want to back down you want to quit things aren't going the way that you thought they should go and you're getting cranky you woke up on the wrong side of the bed seven days in a row and you don't want to do this you don't want to do that you want to quit you want to leave you want to go to another job all these people are crazy you want ah that's the day jesus is gonna say you know what my power is perfected in your weakness greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world and all those people that are in the workplace that you don't like but I'm going to wake you up today and even though you don't like them I'm going to cause you to love them well how are you going to do that Jesus I'm going to make them come and sit at your feet and weep I'm speaking from experience I'm just now I think coming to the place and time where I've been in vocational ministry longer than I was in business and I was working in one particular office where I I really didn't like anybody. This is in revival days. I'm leaving my workplace where I don't like anybody, and I'm going and I'm leading worship in revival meetings, nightly. And if I'm not leading, I'm going and sitting in one, because I just want to be in the glory. And it was in that place where I didn't think they, anybody liked me either because I didn't like them. When the Lord was beginning to transition me out of that space and beginning to transition me toward this thing that we call vocational ministry, when, we got, when, when that began to happen and I resigned from my workplace then, when I knew that I knew that I knew that's what God was asking me to do. Not because I didn't like people. Not because I didn't like the job. Not be. Look, you know, I was pretty well paid. I had pretty good benefits. I had stock options. I had health. I had 401k. With like a 90% match, it was a pretty good deal. Even if it was a crazy place to be. But in that space, when I, when I, was, I gave my two weeks... And the last day was there And I didn't think anybody liked me They came in with a cake They, came, they went to a Christian bookstore I'm talking about an office Where we had proselytizing warlocks We had like, like legit Like witch coven dudes Like running around, handing out like witch tracks And books and things like that I didn't know that was a thing But they are handing out paraphernalia The people went and got me a Christian mug, a Christian card, whatever that means, and a cake, and they wept. And I, it wasn't because of me. It was because of Christ in me. Because I was willing to stay steadfast in a circumstance that didn't seem wholly advantageous to me. I was willing to stay in the midst of people that I struggled to love because God did not say go. And I've done that in workplaces and I've done that in churches. Now, I love you all. I'm not (laughs) saying I don't want to. It was that other place I was at. (laughs) I don't know where it came from. I don't don't know if it's something that my parents taught me, but I I just knew you don't go until he says go. My circumstances have nothing to do with the movement of God, the will of God. When God places me in a space, I am there until he says go. End of story. And so you can do honest self-assessment and look over your, your life over the last three years and begin to determine those pockets of time where you were under your circumstance and when you were over it. You're still in it, but it's the position of the ball of your circumstance. Either it's just rolling over you or you're dancing on top of it like a circus act. It's still there. It's not going away, but it's where your position in him that will allow you to not be afraid, not be bewildered and to take courage, take heart and break through because Jesus has already broken through. Does that make sense? So how do you start? What's your first step? It's always a yes. See, Elizabeth started with a yes. Sometimes it takes other people praying over you to get you into the space where you will take courage and say the yes. And a lot of times you say yes before you even know what the mission is. That's what I love about Scripture. When God comes, when you have an encounter, you're all about the yes. You get those moments in worship and you start singing songs like I surrender all and God knows. He's like, yeah, you're not really, but I love that you're singing that. I'm going to remind you of that at a future time and place of my choosing. I was in a church when I was a kid and, and the pastor was like, you know, you shouldn't sing that song if you don't leave it, if you don't mean it. I'm, I'm like, guys, sing it. Go ahead sing I surrender all. I need 120 people that will come together and sing a unified song, I surrender all. I don't care if you mean it or not. I don't care if you leave this place and you forgot the word. Holy Spirit will remind you of what you said, what you prayed, and what you sang in his presence. Because when you're in it, he's like you you're going to have like that Isaiah 6 moment. I see the Lord. Oh woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. But you're so hyped up. In the presence of God and God just rolling out that hypothetical question hey who am I going to send there's stuff to do what? who's going to go do that you're like oh pick me pick me here I am here I am and he's just chuckling up there because they're like he doesn't know what they're saying yes to okay I'll take you and then five years down the road you're like well this is not what I thought I was signing up for Sing all those songs with fervor and passion. John 7, 17, in the Passion Translation, the first step. If you want to test my teachings and, and discover to where I received them, first, be passionate to do God's will. And then you will be able to discern. You want more discernment? Be passionate to do His will. What's His will? Well, the whole of law, the law is fulfilled in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It has nothing to do with personality types. They don't owe you anything. I know people that go from offense to offense to offense because they think people owe them something. You know what? You don't have a right. To be right, you have a right to the cross. And sometimes our hunger to be right in a situation becomes the earthquake that puts a fracture in the foundation of unity. Sometimes the cross is more important than your perceived need for justice in a moment. When Jesus was being accused, He stayed silent. Gave a nugget here and there. But he didn't defend himself. He had a right to be right. He had the power. He had the authority. But it was more important for him to lean into the Father and say, into your hands, I commit my spirit. God would you pull us collectively into basic training today and I say that with a little fear and trembling because I know what the fire feels like I know what the squeezing feels like I know what it feels like to go through a period in a season of refining And I love it when your fire falls, but it's not always fun and games. Sometimes it burns. I love the idea of being transformed from one level of glory to another level of glory. But sometimes that process squeezes and breaks me because you're the master potter and we're just clay. I love that song that we used to sing all the time, let it rain, and it's such a, and we wanna be in the rain of heaven, but sometimes it it saturates us to this place where the form that we once knew is no more, and we're just this useless lump of clay until your hand comes and reshapes us and remakes us evermore into the image of the Son. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you breathe your breath on us? I want to invite you to say yes to him this morning. I want to invite you to come through that veil of the flesh, that leather veil like Elizabeth saw, and come into the space of unlimited possibility. And I want you to sit with the Lord just for a moment. We're going to allow the worship team to sing over you, and then we're going to pray a prayer together and call the ministry team up to pray for you guys. Because you're never alone. We're not doing this alone. It's like Elizabeth said, it was when she got prayer, the yes came. That's unity. So let's worship for a moment. Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidgery is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277.